and welcome to episode 32 of Checking the Gate, a film and religion podcast. My name is Robert Wright Stasco. I am Michael M. Patty. Checking the Gate is a podcast where every month we look at another film and a TV show and evaluate for its religious content. Uh, this month we are looking at Les Miserables and the uh, British television production of The Second Coming. And since we are discussing the film version of Les Miserables, uh, which is a an adaptation of the stage musical, Robert and I will periodically be bursting into song. <laughs> look down, look down, don't look him in the eye. Tomorrow we will know what God in heaven has in store. <laughs> That's pretty good. One more dawn, one more day, one day more. I'm sorry I sang that in a falsetto. That's the <laughs> <laughs> How is he going to do that? <laughs> well, we decided to do this movie after last month. We had our, our bottom shelf special. We thought we'd do something that would had a little yeah, more quality just, to it. Just a little more class. <laughs> <laughs> got some Oscar nominations. Got an Oscar win. Oh, that's right. Yeah. What did it win the Oscar for? Uh, Best Supporting Actress. Oh, okay. Anne Hathaway. That's right. That's right. That was her first Oscar, wasn't it? Yes. I remember that. I remember that. Um, she did not win for Princess Diaries. <laughs> <laughs> I would. Uh, I would think not. Fun fact for those of you listening at home, this isn't going to mean anything, but uh, we're actually in my basement, and I have called up my digital copy of the film, and we are watching it without sound on my computer, and the bishop, played by original Valjean, Colm Wilkinson, has just taken Valjean, played by Hugh Jackman, in, and Hugh Jackman is wolfing down a plate of whatever it is 19th century French people hate. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I think you told me that was uh, that was him, yeah. uh, Cole Mogensen, but I, it was lost on me again until this moment, so I, I, that's a, a nice pass of the baton there. Yeah, it's whoever, whoever thought of that's a genius. <laughs> yeah, that, one of the things that makes this film so good, everything from the costuming, the set design, to the acting, the, the fact that they recorded all the singing live on set... It makes a huge difference. Oh, and yeah. For, for no other reason than I, I've seen movie musicals before, and I love the film version of Evita. I love, even though it's, you know, it's not very good, and it's, um, I wish they'd gotten better actors for the film version of Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. I can, in both of those movies, I, I as much as I like them, I can tell they're lip syncing. It's, it's obvious. And I know why they did it. Yeah. For, for different shots, for takes, for for coverage. That's the way know, they've technical done, reasons. That's the way they've done musicals the since way they started. <laughs> yes, but it totally pays off in this film when they are actually speaking and singing live, and their lips are perfectly in sync. And this is a religious podcast, so I feel no shame in saying God bless their sound editor. Yeah, he or she did a fantastic job. Yeah, I mean, this movie is just fantastically done and fantastically acted. And I, and I never really liked this movie before, but, but until we get more into it, Mike, why don't you give us a, a rundown of the, the plot? Okay, it's it's actually a little it's a little complicated, so I'll try to give the, the highlights. Yeah, um, the, the Cliff Notes version. Victor Hugo wrote a doorstop of a novel called Les Miserables. It came out in 
I believe, 1862. And it's an account of the events leading up to uh, what was known as the Student Revolution. After the, the French Revolution, which brought the monarchy down, it was replaced by a, shall we say, not quite democratic um, <laughs> yeah. government. So there were all these skirmishes, like mini-revolutions. In the novel, there's an aside as to the difference between contrasting one of these mini-skirmishes using a, a French word I cannot immediately recall, and an actual revolution. Like, the difference between an uprising and an actual revolution, yeah. I, I think, was, was the rough translation. But the events of the, the book and the film, the, the plot is it revolves around a convict named Jean Valjean, played in the movie by Hugh Jackman, uh, who had been sentenced to essentially slave labor. That, that was punishment back in the early 1800s. It's punishment any time, yeah, but it, it's <laughs> it was common, more common then. Yeah, it, it starts out in like 1819, 1816, and uh, he is just being released from his hard labor after 19 years for stealing a loaf of bread to feed his family. So he gets out of jail. He's a hardened criminal. He's barely a criminal. He's he's a hardened convict. That yeah, that's that. that's yeah. the distinction. He's not really a criminal. Ends up at the bishop's place after not being able to find honest work because he's a convict, and ends up at the bishop's house uh, in this tiny French village, and the bishop takes him in for the night, gives him whatever he wants. Valjean rips him off in the middle of the night, steals all his silver to go and melt down and get some money and live on the run. But he's caught, and the cops take him back to the bishop's place, and they say, this man says you gave him your silver. And the bishop says, he's right, but you left these candlesticks behind too. Yeah. <laughs> he, he tells Valjean, use this silver to become an honest man. And so he does. He changes his name, becomes mayor of a- another village, and leaves Jean Valjean behind. But who should show up in his village as the town constable or whatever they were called then? Gendarme. But the officer who knew him from his release, Inspector Javert. <laughs> in, in, a, in a coincidence that are only found in 19th century European literature. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> So Valjean has to keep his identity a secret, and in the meantime, a woman named Fantine is paying an innkeeper and his wife to keep her love child a secret uh, as she works in a factory owned by Valjean, and of course her secret comes out, and she's let go and has to become a prostitute and dies, but not before she tells Valjean about her little girl, and so Valjean feels responsible. So he has to go find the little girl, and it turns out the innkeepers are sleazes and don't want to give her up, so he has to pay them off. And, uh, and, and during this time, uh, it comes out that another man is being sentenced for his crime. Yes, somebody else who they think is, is uh, Valjean is about to be sentenced and probably executed for breaking parole. <laughs> yeah, so, so he has to... He goes to court and, yeah. and tells him, I'm Jean Valjean, yeah. and Javert is going to take him away right away. And he's like, no, I have to do this one last thing. 
and ends up running away from Javert again to yeah. rescue Fontaine. Not Fontaine, Cosette. Cosette, and, the daughter. And that's the first half of our story. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then there's a whole bunch of students who want to start a mini-revolution against the new government. And Cosette falls in love with one of them, and that's Marius. And then one of the innkeeper's daughters is also in it. That's Eponine. And, and she's in love with him, and too. And she's in love with Marius. And so there's there's romance, there's drama, there's action, there's crime. There's something for everyone in this movie. And music. And music. Lots of singing. And so how does it end up? Badly. <laughs> the, the, it's like Hamlet. The, the, it's <laughs> like Hamlet. Um, Valjean manages to save Marius, but pretty much everybody else involved in the skirmish ends up dead. Yeah. And but he saves Marius because Cosette loves him, and then after Cosette uh, and Marius decide to get married, uh, Valjean realizes he has to leave because he doesn't want his past crime being revisited on her. So he up and vanishes, and then Marius realizes Valjean was the one who saved his life. He tells Cosette, and they go find him, and then he up and dies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they were like, come back with us, and he's like, okay. <laughs> so, But it has a happy ending because their version of heaven at the end of the movie is they're back on the, the barricade where the student revolution took place and there's yeah. Fontaine and everybody and I think Javert is there even you know because he yeah, Val, uh, uh, Javert is in the the epilogue but he's not one of the ones beckoning oh, to yeah. Yeah. they they show the bishop who apparently had died in the 19 however many years yeah. over which the story takes place uh, they show Fontaine I thought they should have shown Fontaine with the long hair again No, yeah. like how she looked yeah. in life but they didn't they which kind of made sense because yeah they like, probably yeah. shot the scene because he actually cut her hair on right yeah film for this role so they probably did that scene last so she didn't have time they to grow her hair could have faked that just for one scene yeah, i guess it is the movies yeah the one big question i had was why didn't valjean just use his claws to eviscerate javert that would have saved him so much trouble. <laughs> but then I guess he was trying to, you know, not do that anymore. Yeah, he was trying to be a good Wolverine. Yeah. Snick it, stick it, snoy. <laughs> I would say we promised no more Mighty Chucks, but that wouldn't be one that we could fulfill. <laughs> so, but, yeah, apart from apart from the music and um, everything I, I really loved about this was... Uh, the storyline itself and how it, it deals with the characters. You have Javert, who is uh, sticking up for Fouvo's right by um, following the rules. Yeah. And the letter of the law. And that is that is order, that is peace, that is uh, God's kingdom to him. Yes. And uh, I, I don't know how much it comes through in the film because uh, I've, I've seen it a bunch of times now, but I, having now read the book... And having that inform my viewing of it uh-huh. from now on, Javert's faith is front and center to his worldview. Oh yeah, he is very much focused on God's law and and Christ and doing what is right. And yeah, see that's that's hinted through in the, uh, it's hinted of, at so, in the some movie, of what he sees. I think yeah yeah. 
Um, but but I, it, I have not read the book, so I didn't know that. That's yeah, very he, interesting. He, he is very clearly a, a man of faith in the book explicitly and and to an extent uh everyone is except maybe the thenardiers yeah <laughs> except for them they're totally wretched <laughs> yeah uh it talks about valjean's belief and it's very thorough yeah as you would expect an 1100 some page book to yeah. be yeah after his uh running with the bishop you see his change is yeah um, it's not so much following the letter of the law but living a life of compassion and mercy yeah how how the bishop would want him to live right right and so you have the two extremes in these characters who who really are foils for each other you yeah. know which one is right it, it's kind of personifying the the cliche there but for the grace of god go i right you know how many bad days would javert have needed to have to end up on the run right and at at one point he talks about that. Right? I think in one of their showdowns, um, he he's singing, uh, "What do you know about me? I was born in yeah. in um in a brothel and or something like that." And and you know you know you have no idea about. He was me. born in jail. That's what oh it that's is. what it was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you have no idea about where I come from or who I am. So they have, you know, maybe a similar background, but you know, very. <laughs> divergent uh, paths that they've they've taken um and what's interesting about javert's journey is uh, during the revolution he goes and, and spies on the students and they find him out and they capture him they give him to they give javert to jean valjean and jean valjean lets him go and javert has no idea how to process this because he would not have shown uh jean valjean that same kind of mercy he had sworn to capture him and take him in and make him pay the price for his crimes. But now he shown this mercy and this um, this redemption, this saving grace. He has no idea how to handle it, and it affects him so greatly. He's he's questioning how he should live the rest of his life now. You know, yeah. has everything he done been right or wrong? And so he ends up throwing himself into a, a culvert or something, he, right? Yes, but there's another scene after Valjean lets him go where they confront each other again, and he allows Valjean to essentially to save Marius. Oh, that's right. And that's the breaking point. Yeah. Or he showed mercy back. Yes, yes. And uh, it's a little different in the book. He, he In the book, he lets him go take care of something with Cosette, but in in the movie they it's essentially the same plot but they they shortcut it it's it's actually a really good adaptation yeah but it, it's the same sort of thing uh javert ends up showing as robert said mercy and cannot reconcile that he let a criminal go but he couldn't recapture him because it would be a disservice to god so he ends up yeah. throwing himself off a, a bridge, and he cannot live with the contradiction that a villain could have compassion, and that, <laughs> yeah. that he who was so forthright could have not upheld the law. Yes. And uh, I think this is, uh, you know, the genius of, of Hugo's work, because Victor Hugo looked at the country of France, which had once been a, a bastion of the Catholic faith, so much so that they had persecuted Protestants for years. 
and now he saw this country that rejected that faith for humanism. That one of the things that happened during the French Revolution was the Enlightenment, the the idea that the human race is perfectible, and that we could do this by ourselves. But Victor Hugo saw the 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 flaw in this plan pretty early. That trusting man to improve his own condition was doomed to failure. I don't think we saw this. Uh, really in its full light until the disaster that was the 20th century. (laughs) (laughs) But the enlightened movement by rejecting faith in the invisible and trusting only in the scientific empirical evidence that we could see before us also rejected the redemption and life that comes only through a relationship with Christ and the Holy Spirit. Now It reminds me of uh, this quote by um, Charles Baudelaire, says the greatest trick the devil ever played was convincing the world that he did not exist. <laughs> that's not Baudelaire. That's Kaiser Soze. Is it? That's Kevin Spacey in The Usual Suspects. Oh. <laughs> oh wait, no. <laughs> no, that's... um. I'm sure it Maybe is. it wasn't Usual Suspects. Usual Suspects was, how do you try to shoot the devil in the back? What, do you, what if you miss? <laughs> that's That's what I was thinking of. Anyways, anyway. um, well, the sad thing is that the moral of them is, I think it's just as relevant today as it is when it was written. Oh, yeah. And that moral is we cannot expect to live life by the rules and still have godly lives. We need to have the mercy and the compassion. We really need to have both. Javert, on one hand, lived by the rules, and he didn't have that mercy and compassion, which would have really saved a lot of people, may have even saved uh, Fontaine from her fate. Jean Valjean, if he lived more by the rules, uh, he would have avoided all the calamity and catastrophe in his life. But I think both men, you know, realize this too late. You know, we also see this kind of theme of do we live by the rules or do we live godly lives in in the what we're going to talk about in TV Corner. But uh, <laughs> what do you think about that, Mike? I think on top of what you just said. The point was to show not only the the point of the uprising, but all of the other miserable, if you will, things that can happen to people. And what each of these characters does under that sort of pressure. Oh, um, okay. Not specifically with religion, although that informs Valjean and Javert. Uh-huh. But as much like Fontaine's faith is, I I don't think is is she never questions to God why what's happening to her is happening to her. I dreamed a dream is on right now, yeah. and um, that that but, seemed like a prayer to me when the, especially the way it was portrayed in the, in the movie with Anne Hathaway, uh, you know, singing it and performing it. I'll I'll come back to this. You you yeah. continue your thought. I it's good enough it it's ev- everything every bad thing that can happen happens to these people and uh, some of them take solace in their faith and some of them don't and th- this is what happens and they all end and up they all almost everybody dead. yeah yeah, yeah three-fifths of the main <laughs> cast are, are dead at the end of the movie so well, one of the things i wanted to say was i, I really did not like liam is for the longest time because it's when I was in high school in the 90s, uh, like like we said before, that was at its height of its popularity. I think I'm very sure that I, I've seen this whole thing because a, a lot of the things had a ring of familiarity to me. So I know I, I, I've gone and, see, and seen the, the show, I think when it came to Cleveland, when I was traveling. I think I saw it at the Palace Theater. It's hard to get into because of what it's about. 
Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, this is not. Yeah. And <laughs> Brigadoon, this is not. <laughs> and I had seen it on PBS, and I had listened to the, the 10th anniversary soundtrack with Colm Wilkinson uh-huh. when I was in college. And, like, after the act one i just like tuned out i had i had no idea how this movie ended even though i <laughs> listened to the show the, to the cds a bunch of times wow. yeah and it was the same thing for me when i first saw it I, I don't think i had enough historical knowledge or emotional experience to really get into the movie and uh, yeah. and, and plus uh, at that time in high school i i think i've seen every really bad debutante version of, you know, I Dreamed a Dream <laughs> <laughs> and every struggling tenor singing um, uh, Valjean's big number um, in in the second act, which, 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 which Bring one's... him home. Yes, that's the one. Fun fact. I went to a Cleveland Pops New Year's Eve concert one year with a guy who had been in a touring company of Les Mis as Valjean. And he did that, and he mentioned that that was a prayer, which, you know, if you yeah. listen to it in context, it is he's praying to God that Marius live through yeah. the shooting. And as we've discussed many times before, God helps those who help themselves. <sighs> so so Valjean ends up having to go and save Marius himself. Yeah. <laughs> I Sorry, good. I had to. I had to. Yeah. I had to. You have a good point. I hate to admit it, but yeah, you're right about that. Oh. It just kind of worked. I hadn't planned to go there when I started telling that, and it just sort of, you're wearing a Dr. Zoidberg shirt. And it... It... <laughs> well, thank you, T-24, for my awesome T-shirt. <laughs> that says, why not Zoidberg? Um, I never, I, I got so sick of that song, you know, I Dreamed a Dream, but then watching Anne Hathaway's version. Oh, she nails it. Broke my heart i mean i was sobbing by the end of it i was just like oh man and there's still like two hours of movie to go yeah how am i gonna make it through yeah but um, uh there are there's like an hour and a half to go yeah she deserved that oscar oh definitely for that it's just definitely oh man uh wow all right so final judgment on uh les mis having become more and more familiar with the show through the soundtrack of the movie because I've listened to that a whole bunch. I've seen the movie three or four times at least, not counting it being on with the sound down right now. <laughs> um, it's one of my favorites. It's maybe not one of my favorite movies because it is, it's two and a half hours of, of people being, again, miserable. Yeah, it's um, hard to watch. It's But it's... It's it's so so good the the quality that they took a lot of great pains to bring it to the screen and it shows and it it comes off better than like the Phantom musical that or the Phantom movie that they didn't spend a lot of money on yeah and got Gerard Butler and Emmy Rossum and Patrick Wilson to be <laughs> in Gerard um, Butler's on your your new um, not favorite list, isn't it? <laughs> He's you know, up there I don't. With ben Affleck I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't hate Gerard Butler, but, but he's, he's done some crap, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah. The what's that Jennifer Aniston movie? Oh, uh, I, the one where he dies. And I don't know that he like dies at the beginning and leaves her messages or something like that. I never watched. No, it. no, he's. I think it's called the Bounty Hunter. 
Oh yeah, I seen that one too. That was awful. And that was not funny. No, that that wasn't Jennifer Aniston. That was um, whatever. Another um, actress. It, she's on all those lists, like you know, ten actors. Who Catherine Heigl. Movies. Catherine Heigl. Yeah, yeah, that's her. <laughs> um, <laughs> he, he was in the first thing I saw him in. I think was. Timeline. Didn't we talk about Timeline yeah, last did, time? Yeah. Timeline is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and um, uh, also another note on the last episode, I, I was just reading uh, First Samuel. Ichabod, uh, the name came up in there. Eli's daughter-in-law, after Eli dies and his sons die in a battle, she, his daughter-in-law, now that her husband is dead, um, went into labor hearing the news and delivered a boy named Ichabod. And I... I believe it was uh, the name means God has forsaken us or something like that, <laughs> which so. is appropriate for the God forsaken show. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> all right. I'm I, I'm sorry we drifted into talking about the last episode again. Yep. Um, is highly recommended. Can't wait till it comes back to Cleveland. I missed it when it was just here a few months ago, and uh, can't wait for it to come back because I can't wait to see it. On a programming note. Uh, if you can track down the 2010 or 2011 25th anniversary concert that was on, it, it's aired on PBS a bunch of times. Joe Jonas plays Marius in it, uh, if that helps. Uh, Alfie, <laughs> no, no, he's good. He's good. Really? Yeah, Alfie, wow. Alfie Bo is uh, Valjean. It's uh, a really good stage show. Okay. A stage version. Oh, just let, they're not putting on the whole production. It's just like with an orchestra and they're standing it's there. It's them standing there in costume. Yeah. All right, cool. I like this. I uh, like I said, maybe I've learned a little more history, and uh, but just the way that it was shot, the way it was sung, um, it uh, made me like this musical again. So yeah, yeah. If you're if you if you're gonna see any version of Les Mis, I would say watch this movie first. Definitely, definitely. It, uh, it worth the price of a rental. I I went to see this on my birthday when it came out. It yeah. came out at Christmas and my birthday is right after that and yeah. I, I made it a point to go see Les Mis on my birthday. Uh, directed, I meant to say this before, directed by the same guy who did The King's Speech and John Adams. Okay. So he knows historical drama. Yeah, I would say. Uh, and King's Speech, wasn't that a best picture? Yes. Yeah. I, I watched it. I wouldn't say it, it was... It was all right. It's one of those I wouldn't say it was the best picture of the year, but it was yeah. definitely a, a good quality film. So, all right, well, Valjean I think is just about to have his secret figured out. So, uh, shall we uh, mosey on over to uh, TV corner? Let's mosey. All right. Hey, uh, welcome back. Uh, before we begin, uh, I'd like to jump in and say that uh, this is not the most well-known piece of television. Uh, no. It was a, it was a, it, not a BBC. Uh, what's the other one? ITV. ITV. It yeah. was an ITV miniseries. And the way I tracked it down, I had a sick day from work one on Valentine's Day. I was homesick, <laughs> and I just decided, I, I first went to uh, canistream.it to see if it was available anywhere yeah. for either rental or, you know, hopefully just like Netflix. Like or, Netflix or Hulu. No, or... Nobody has it. <laughs> but you know who had it? 
YouTube. YouTube. Somebody put it up on YouTube. Both parts, all two and a half hours of it. So, In fact, I, I put I put the link on the show notes for last episode. Fantastic. <laughs> so pause the episode, go watch it, come back in two and a half hours. We'll still be here because we're on pause. Yeah. So. Or you could pause it, get it from Amazon for, I think I got it for six bucks or something like that. If you want to do that. If <laughs> you want to. Yeah. <laughs> if YouTube isn't enough yeah. for you. Hey, I'm offering our audience instant gratification uh, for free. The uh, the DVD comes with a series of bonus features like uh, deleted scenes. Like there's one where uh, Christopher Eccleston is, let me set up the scene. Uh, Leslie Sharp, the other lead, she walks up the stairs, turns to her right, knocks on the door and says, are you there, Stephen? And Stephen Baxter, played by Christopher Eccleston, walks out the door. And she runs back down the stairs laughing hysterically because he's wearing nothing but one sock. <laughs> and it's not even covering everything it's supposed to cover. So it's like, I just saw Doctor Who buck naked. Wasn't expecting that, and I hope I never see that again. At least it wasn't Colin Baker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh that hard. Uh, yeah, I was <laughs> not. Um, I was not subjected to that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I saw the broadcast version. Yeah, I I was just happy they left a couple of curse words in. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't too bad. No, for it's not a, filthy. a British production. No, it's not filthy. Yeah, they um they invented all those words and they're not afraid to use them. That is correct. But do you want to give the rundown of Second Coming or shall I? Um, well let's let's put it this way. Uh, while we're on the subject of movie musicals. Uh, I'm sure everyone who's listening to this has seen either on stage or the feature film of Jesus Christ Superstar. (laughs) It's essentially Jesus Christ Superstar for the 21st century. It's only it's the second coming, as the title says, and not the first. It's about what would happen if someone who actually was the Son of God showed up today and, and the ramifications of such. Yeah. Um, without going, it, it's about the the mass communication, the fear, the hope, the violence. Yeah. And I, I'm going to steal a line from a review I read of Stranger in a Strange Land. His fate is the same that befalls all messiahs. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Well, here, why don't I I give I give the quick okay. cliff notes then. Um, okay. It starts out with about uh, Stephen Baxter, played by Christopher Eccleston. He's in a bar with his friends, played by Leslie Sharp, Annabelle Epson, Ace Body. People you, you've probably seen on various BBC shows do you and know, stuff. Do you know who she is? Yes. She was in the the episode... Where her and the Doctor are on the train and they're and she's, like, talking in unison. Yeah, she's copying him. And yeah, that was... She has frightful eyes. <laughs> and Ace Body, he's also in the Hooniverse. He is the father of one of the characters on the Sarah Jane oh. Chron- Adventures Chronicles. I never saw that. Um, and Mark Benton, who played like the, the main devil-type character with the glowing eyes... The fat guy. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Uh, I. I. Sorry. <laughs> That's. That was his distinguishing characteristic on the show. The, I'm the, sorry. The heavy set man. Thank you. <laughs> he was also in the premiere episode of the new Doctor Who. He he was uh, one of the guys in the street when the Autons came out. Okay. On, on Rose. 
So I'll take your word for it. Yeah, I just happened yeah. to see it on a clip. I was like, hey, there's that guy. Mm. So I looked him up on IMDb, and sure enough, yeah, he was. Uh, that was him. Yeah. This this uh, this was a pre Doctor Who uh, team up of Christopher Eccleston and Russell T Davies. Yeah, uh, 2003. So just probably, uh, I think this was the thing that Russell T Davies did yeah. just before he 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 went because he also did the show Queer as Folk, the um, the UK the British version. version. And then it was imported to America. And um, I think John Barrowman was in that show, too. I, I'm not sure if it was the U.K. or the American version. But, uh, yeah, more Hooniverse uh, connections there. So, anyways, starts out with Stephen Baxter. He's in a bar. And he's uh, he's kind of shy. He doesn't know how to ask a girl out on a date. So, he, I think he was just divorced or something. Is that Wasn't that it? Yeah, he just broken up with somebody. I don't yeah. think he had been. Oh yeah, he was never in a relationship. Yeah. His uh, Leslie Sharp had just gotten divorced, and he was trying to yeah ask her out, and it fell flat. And then he has this revelation and epiphany. He's, yes, and he's lost in the park for like forty days, and he he comes back out, and he's like, "I'm the son of God," and so if people immediately start freaking out about this, which. I think there would be a lot of other crazy people saying they're a son of God and not paying that <laughs> much attention. But apparently they are paying attention to him because he ends up uh, going to a big... Well, no, he does some miracles, and that's what gets people's attention. Yeah, but even before he, he does, like, the big one, people were... Like, what what does he do, like, before he goes to the stadium? Like... I... No, he, I think that was it. Yeah, he he tries to he he goes and he's trying to tell people what's going on. The one the one priest is the only one who believes him. Yeah, I think. Yeah, because and he was somebody too. I forget who now, but he was he had been in some Doctor Who thing. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I think Russell uh, Russell T Davies like oh I know that guy he would be good. <laughs> so he he goes to uh, a soccer stadium, and he's trying to preach to people, and they're like throwing stuff at him. And suddenly he he does a miracle. He pulls out his shades, and it's it's in the middle of the night, but like daytime. <laughs> it's like just over that stadium, yeah. bright sunny noontime day. And you know you go outside, and it's night, and you go back in, and it's day. And so a huge miracle, proving that he's actually divine. So then later people are around him. He's talking. He's and he's like, "You lot have messed it up." I came before, and you guys haven't figured it out yet, so you have to write a third testament in, what was it, five days? It's Three some, days, something some like that. ridiculously short amount yeah. of time. Uh, five days, within five days, uh, or else uh, it's Judgment Day. So people start freaking out and sending him stuff. They have to hole him up, and um, yeah. attention drives between him and his friends. Yeah, him and, and his disciples uh, <laughs> yeah. are, are going through all of these missives that people wrote. And, of course, they're all the wrong one. Yeah, and it turns out at one point the one friend played by Annabelle Epstein, I think it's Fiona, she's really developed a, a religious fervor about this, but it's more of a... No, oh, I have to get all my ducks in a row. I have to get everything perfect. No, because what's going to happen if it's Judgment Day? Am I going to go to heaven? And then her husband leaves, and she totally flips out because she's screaming. You know, what if I'm not loved? What if I'm not loved? And he's like, like I, I had, I don't know how to deal with this. I've never been religious. I, I, you know, I can't cope with this. I have to go. So she tries to poison her kids because she doesn't know how to cope. She's going to poison her, her three kids and and herself. And the the devil guy tells her that you know something's gonna be happening. So she runs, 
and you know she figures this out and runs to her friend and saves saves the kids. But then she realizes what the what the third testament is. She makes some spaghetti and meatballs for her friend Stephen Baxter, featuring uh, a secret ingredient. Yes, rat poison. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, he is holed up away under guard. But then he uses a Jedi mind trick to kind of go out unnoticed. <laughs> this is this is not the Jesus you're looking for. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and uh, he finds Leslie, goes to her place, and uh, she sets the plate of spaghetti in front of him and tells him that it's poisoned and says, uh, yeah, I figured it out. You have to die but not come back this time because we need to figure this out on our own without you interfering. And she's like, use your foresight. You can s- And he's... You know, kind of on the fence, but then he, he he thinks about it, and then he digs into his uh his beer and spaghetti and meatballs, and promptly dies badly. I might yeah. not not Christopher Eccleston's best. He was better as, as Destro, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> but he uh yeah he convulses and dies, yeah. and then there's a short epilogue where people are like, yeah, we all realize that. God w- was real because we all felt him die, but not here anymore. And so they just kind of go along. And then the guy who played by uh, Mark uh, Benton, uh, Johnny Tyler was his name, who was the the main sort of devil character. He's all better now. You know, he's still trying to find a date, and uh, he runs into Judith, who was played by Leslie Sharp. And you know, she's married and has kids and everything. And you know, but he tried to hit on her. At, and then it ends. The end. Yeah. Uh, life, life without God, or going on. So, Mike, what did you think about this? You hear, I, I, I'm I, curious because you hadn't, you know, you told was, me you watched it, but you didn't give me your opinion yet. It was interesting. I appreciate that they. I, I liked more of the the ramifications of what would happen with the news and the people, and the world at large if this was confirmed and i wish more time had been spent with that than with say the demon plot line yeah and then the ending it didn't seem to be leading up to that point yeah and i kind of felt like i mean i i i knew he wasn't going to make it but then the whole let's not have god in our lives kind of comes out of nowhere and i'm sure that was that's Russell T Davies' worldview. Yeah, just having seen Doctor Who and now this. Yeah, uh, it, it really shines through, doesn't yeah, it? it? It seemed, for lack of a better word, it seemed like a betrayal of the previous two hours and twenty five minutes. You you think so? A it, little bit, yeah, because everybody's on board. People are committing suicide because God has come again. It's not... Yeah, they're, fr- they're afraid of Judgment Day. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not in doubt. And then all of a sudden, everybody's over his death. Yeah. I, I don't believe that's what would really happen. Kinda, up until that point, it yes. was very realistic. Yes, yes. Up until that point, it was, with air quotes, realistic. Yeah. But then it's not. It's kind of yeah. a. It was kind of a letdown that everything go, goes back to normal and nobody <laughs> learns anything. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, it, it goes to the, the the same problem in in Les Mis. Like, we can figure this out on our own. We don't need God's help. Victor Hugo's point was like, "Oh yes, we do, <laughs> because if we try and figure it out on ourselves, we're going to lead these miserable lives." 
and at the end it seems like everyone's kind of content with their miserable lives and and that doesn't as like well I was there's nothing to hope for I, I I would I would argue that Russell T Davis's point was that people's lives aren't miserable anymore because the son of god came back and and showed them what was possible I don't think that was the right narrative decision but that's yeah. that is what I think his point was and I I think that that kind of goes with the whole kind of european especially your British worldview that life would be better without religion at all. Like especially if you watch any science special with I, Richard Dawkins or uh, I I don't Stephen know that Cox that's and, I don't think that's necessarily <laughs> British. Yeah. I think that's those guys. That's a faction. Okay, yeah. I, I can't There's I can't I can't make a, a blanket judgment. The, I shouldn't. The, you're you're right about that. The country so. that started the Crusades <laughs> is not full of atheists now. Yeah. Okay. You're right. Just a few who are very outspoken. Uh, Douglas Adams was one when he was still with us. Uh, Richard Dawkins, uh, Russell T Davies. Okay, so I shouldn't I shouldn't make a blanket judgment ju- on those few. Right. Okay. But I I could disagree with those few. If you want. Okay. I, I, I can and I will. Because uh, I, I didn't like the ending at all. I, I, I knew something like this was coming, having seen Doctor Who and <laughs> listened to Russell T. Davies' commentaries and interviews. I kind of knew where where this might be leading. But, yeah, the ending, it, it wasn't a shock, but it, it wasn't uh, a, a fulfilling ending, especially, it, like you said, up until yeah, that point. I I agree, but I think for a different reason. Yeah, um, uh, up until up until that that point, the ending, I, I agree with you. It was a very uh, sort of realistic, and I like when we see depictions of Jesus coming again or the end of the world and something that that uh, takes its inspiration maybe from Revelation or the fact that Jesus is coming again and does it in a way that is uh, different from the typical depiction of that the armageddon and the uh, the whole world coming yeah there was fighting or yeah, or uh, there was nearly left behind a, there was nearly a mention of pestilence and yeah the the all the the signs of the apocalypse as it were yeah. that you see in so many yeah you have yeah. you have left behind on one end and sleepy hollow on the other extreme you know we have one of the uh, those are the like the two very most common and and don't forget this is the end Oh yes, which I, which I still need to see. Yeah, we need to have like a an end of the world super <laughs> yes. special. This is the end and Rapture Palooza, and uh, let's throw the world's end in, in there. the world's end. Even though that's technically not a religious movie, <laughs> it, it it's 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 very good. It's probably better than the other two, I think. But uh, I liked it, even though it's about I don't know. You could say. I don't know if you look at the theme of that, but I don't know. Well, that's a, a discussion for yeah, that episode. No, no spoilers. I haven't had time to watch it yet. It it's funny. Oh my goodness. But um, but yeah, I I don't think the answer is John Lennon's song. Imagine a world without religion. I I don't think that's the answer because really, if we could have figured out how to solve all our problems and live a perfect life. Where there is no hunger, no poverty, no um, none of the the horrible things we see in Les Miserables, we would have done it by now. I mean, how many thousands of years do we have of recorded history? Seven, seven well, or eight uh, thousand uh, years. 
going back to like ancient Greek and Chinese, and it, we 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 haven't really come that much farther. I mean, technologically we have, but emotionally, uh, we I, we I, still suck. We do. Yeah. And so I don't think that we can figure it out on our own. We yeah. need God in our lives. We but, need but, Robert, God created us in his image, so ergo. It, well, yes, he <laughs> created us, but he didn't create us as robots. He gave us that free will to choose to Say it right. follow him or not. We're not robots. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh. that, that, that's, a, that's a line, uh, I think, Geeter of the Three-Headed Monster. Or no, um... Uh, invasion of the Anstro Monster. We're not robots, Namikawa. <laughs> We're not robots. So anyway, I had to get the the Godzilla reference in there. All right, so let's see. We've covered Gerard Butler and Ben Affleck. The Nick, Crusades. Nick Adams and Godzilla. Godzilla left behind. Uh, did we miss anything? I don't know. I think we we got everything there. All right. So how about we wrap it up? Yes. Well, what's your final judgment on the second coming, Mike? Um, an interesting watch. I I do not not recommend it. Watch it if you're interested. If you if you liked the Ninth Doctor and the first four seasons of Doctor Who, and want to check out some other work by those two gentlemen, uh, go ahead. You can do worse. Uh, just be prepared for the ending and let us know what you think. Oh yeah, spoilers by the way. I should. I think maybe what I'll do is I'll jump in my TARDIS, <laughs> go back 20 minutes, and give a spoiler alert. Yeah. So I'm convinced the cat has a TARDIS down here, but I don't know where it is because <laughs> the chameleon circuit still works. <laughs> I, I liked how it depicted uh, a different vision of if uh, the Son of God came again, how that would happen. I like that. Um, yeah. it, we had a, a, a fresh point of view from someone who is most likely not a Christian. Um, but I didn't like the the final point of the movie where, like, well, our lives would be so much better if we just didn't have God in it because we have so much to learn on our own by ourselves. I think that's totally bogus and totally wrong. So uh, I'm on the fence. I'm not sure if I liked it or not. I uh, The direction seemed very aught. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it seemed very in style with early 21st century yeah, cinematography. <laughs> Television drama. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the acting was all right. I mean, um, Ecclestone was certainly compelling in his role with uh, yeah. trying to reconcile sort of like Willem Dafoe's depiction of Jesus in The Last Temptation of Christ. I was trying to reconcile the, the divine and the human side. You know, how do you, how do you... Yeah, that's a good comparison. He said it's like trying to download 50 gigabytes of information into a pocket calculator. So that that was interesting, but the overall point I I think was was uh, terrible. All right. On next month's podcast, uh, Robert and I will be discussing the uh, Dukes of Hazard movie with Johnny Knoxville and Jessica <laughs> Simpson, and in TV Corner Hollywood Game Night with Johnny <laughs> Knoxville and Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. Say it isn't so, Mike. <laughs> it's not so. Say it ain't so. It's not so. Actually, we want to try something new. We want to get together with uh, some of our friends and maybe some listeners. And if you want to get involved, maybe you can send us an email at uh, ctgpodcast at yahoo.com. If you live in the Akron, Canton, Cleveland area, um, we want to go see the movie Noah when it comes out. Um, and we want to know what everyone thinks about it. So we're going to 
we're going to talk to some of our friends and uh, send out invitations. And if you want to get involved, you can, like I said, send us an email. I think I think we're going to record actually the week after it comes out. Um, yeah. Tentatively, either the 5th or 6th. Yeah. Of April. Yeah. And I think Robert and I are probably going to see it together. Yeah. Um. Anybody, we'll, 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 we'll let people know when we're going to see it, but if anybody wants to get a jump on it, it's coming out on March 28th. Right. Um, so obviously if you see it beforehand, you can still come. Yeah. So what we're planning on doing is going, going to see a movie, um, us and our group of friends, and then go to an area restaurant afterwards. And, yeah, and TBD. Dis- yeah, yeah. So we'll discuss the movie and we'll, we'll record it and so you can have your thoughts on the podcast. And not just me uh, blowing a bunch of hot air for an hour. <laughs> and and me <laughs> trying to pretend like I actually earned my two bachelor's degrees. <laughs> <laughs> because this movie has already had a bit of controversy, you know, even while it was in production. And now, um, you know, I, I, I tweeted, if you follow us on Twitter, at ctgpodcast at uh, twitter.com. And also on Facebook, it'll pop up there at Podcast. It's been banned in some Muslim countries for depicting a prophet. The, some Christians are are not sure it actually follows the Bible, so they're already boycotting <laughs> so, it. So wait, wait. It's banned because it's too religious, and it's boycotted because it's not religious enough. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I actually hadn't heard any of that until just this second. <laughs> that is very funny to me. <laughs> so uh, Darren Arnowski can't win for losing. No, and I guess we're gonna. It's it's. It... And from I've I've seen reviews of it. Um, and oddly enough, on the screen right now is uh, Noah Star Russell Crowe singing my favorite number from Lame is Stars. Yeah. Um, f- the the reviews I've read in advance of its premiere is that it plays like a Lord of the Rings esque fantasy, just with some characters from the Bible just fleshed out. Yeah. And I don't see what could be offensive about that. I'm I'm <laughs> curious to see because I, I want to have Mike do the math on, you know, how many pages are in <laughs> Lord of the Rings and or no, um yeah. how many pages are in The Hobbit and, and compared to how, how many minutes of Peter Jackson movie there is. Yeah, so we got three like three hour movies there. And then you have the depiction of Noah, <laughs> which is only a few pages couple of chapters of Genesis and how, or spreading this out into I don't know if it's 90 minutes, 2 hours we'll have to see. I don't know. It but should be hang on, let me get IMDB up. It should be they should have the running time by Yeah, now. but uh, Mike Mike does the math for me a lot when I buy a movie and uh, I, I once did the math uh, they had a two pack of the Ten Commandments and Ben-Hur for fourteen ninety nine. so I figured <laughs> out I figured out um uh, cost per minute, and it was, <laughs> it was, it was um ridiculously pennies. low. Yeah, pennies per minute. And, and you did that for me when I got the my Godfather oh, uh, yeah. box set. Oh, for, Robert got a great deal on was, the Godfather box it set. It was twenty or twenty five bucks. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's got to figure out the ratio of uh, word number to minutes on screen. <laughs> so. Or or something like that. Yeah, you got the two bachelor's degrees. I only got one, so. Uh, yeah, but none of those <laughs> is in math, trust me. <laughs> Mine's in religion, which is I, far from I, math. <laughs> I, I, would, I would have three bachelor's degrees <laughs> if I didn't have to take any math. But I, we'll, we'll have that we for you next time. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, yep. Mike's starting the calculations now, and uh, <laughs> he'll keep that I, going in his. Uh, I, I can't find it on the mobile site. I'm sorry. Yeah. He'll, he'll he'll start the calculation now in a sonic screwdriver in yeah. 400 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't know if anybody out there heard, but uh, uh, one of the gentlemen who is one of the preeminent movie trailer voices uh, passed away oh, last week. I did hear that. This is for him. A man suffering visions of an apocalyptic deluge takes measures to protect his family from a coming flood, inspired by the biblical story. Noah. Rest in peace, sir. He gave us many years of excitement. Yes. Anticipating the next big thing coming out. Okay. So so that that is our plan for next time, doing something new. So like I said, post on our Facebook page or tweet us or um, email us at, once again, it's ctgpodcast, all lowercase, at yahoo.com. Yeah. And on Twitter, it's at ctgpodcast. Yeah. And, and uh, that's Robert. Robert one takes care of that. I'm at Michael M. Patty. And uh, try and get in touch with us by, say, March 27th. Yeah. And, and, and then we'll be back in touch with you on more details on of where it's going to be at and, uh, like, which movie theater and uh, where we're going to go afterwards to eat. It'll be, you know, most people go to dinner and a movie on a date. We're going to do movie and then a dinner. Yeah. And talk. It'll, it'll most likely either be the Regal Cinemas in... Montrose, Montrose Fairlawn, yeah. Bath Township, whatever that's called, <laughs> Copley Township. I, I, I honestly don't know. Nobody knows. <laughs> or the Cinemark in uh, Valley View. That's over, uh, yeah. That's it, in the Cleveland in area. In the Cleveland area. One of those two. Yeah. Um, depending on show times and yeah. availability and. They're both off of I seventy seven. Yes. Uh, so until that time, uh, this is Robert saying keep the faith. And Mike saying peace out.